You're listening to First Church Charlotte. Greetings, everyone. My name is Nathan. Thank you for watching. It is my honor to pastor one of the greatest churches in the world, First Church Charlotte. And we are doing a series on Wednesday night about the power of a parent's blessing in the life of their children or in the life of any child. Um, and I, as always, am encouraging all of you to understand the principles behind it, because even if you do not have children of your own, there is a very good chance you will have children in your life. Um, they may be a sibling's nieces and nephews, a sibling's children. They may be the children of a friend. You may be able to mentor people in the faith and serve as a spiritual father to them. These are highly, highly important principles for you to understand and grasp. Part four of this is um, what we're dealing with uh, tonight. Last week I talked about the disproportionate success of the Jewish people. Now, uh, to be fair, uh, Jewish, people, Jewish people are highly sensitive to this because they fear that it is one step away from uh, racism, where they are viewed as being thieves, robbers, crooks, uh, and the like, and that accounts for their success. I want to be clear, that is not what we are talking about, and we wholeheartedly condemn that type of a racist view. We are not talking about cheating your way to blessing. Uh, we are talking about pursuing the favor of God. Uh, they are a disproportionately successful people. Uh, they are the first literate society in all of human history. Um, they had as far back as 2000 BC, uh, universal literacy taught as part of worship. Uh, the fathers of Jewish children were taught to teach them the Word of God, to teach them to read the Word of God, to celebrate the Word of God. Um, often the Jewish people will downplay their success um, because of those fears that really it's going to end up into a type of anti-Semitism. Um, however, I want to turn it the other way and I uh, want to talk about it as principles of blessing. Now, because I'm sensitive to this, I want to read the words of Rabbi Levi Brackman. Uh, he wrote a book that is about the business success of Jews and how you can learn those principles from the Torah, um, the Hebrew Bible, the first five books of the Bible. Uh, the fact that Jews are disproportionately successful in many fields of endeavor is undeniable. Not my words, this is uh, Rabbi Brackman's words. The statistics simply speak for themselves. Jews make up less than half of 1% of the world's population, but they consistently have made up more than 20% of the Forbes 400 list of the world's richest people. It's not simply financial success where they have been blessed and they have achieved and accomplished great things, um, but in endeavors of science, um, in uh, building businesses, 30% um, of Nobel Prize winners in science are uh, Jewish. Uh, many major industry industries are have a disproportionately large number of Jewish uh, founders. Um, almost every industry you look at, there is a disproportionate representation of um, Jews who have found success. Uh, One-third of American millionaires are uh, Jewish. Now, Jews make up less than 1% of the American population. 20% uh, of professors at uh, leading universities are Jewish. 40% of partners at leading law firms are Jewish. 25% um, of 
Nobel Prize winners of all categories are, are Jewish. Uh, this is astonishing, and we should look to understand it. If you look at the devotional life of uh, Jews, particularly observant Jews, you will find this principle of speaking blessing over uh, the life of children. Uh, we talked about in previous um, Bible studies of this series uh, how there are seven, seven significant seasons uh, in the life of children as even as they become adults and they have children and even grandchildren of their own where their elders will speak blessing over them. This normally coincides with their weekly day of rest, a uh, day of spiritual observance and uh, thanksgiving. But I wanna take it a step back further than that and I wanna point out to you how God values the life of the child and how God uh, places within Hebrew culture this this un, I almost said unwritten, but it's very much written. This this written um, law, which would then flower into a culture, a culture of being. Um, I do not think that uh, the Jewish uh, people, the Jewish faith, um, are right in every regard. Um, I'm not trying to oversell this. We are all human. We are all sinners. We all need mercy. Um, there's much I admire about that inheritance that we as Christians received through the, the house of Abraham. Um, but I don't want to stretch this to the point of politics. I don't want to stretch this to the point of a kind of reverse racism where other peoples haven't inheritances and they haven't traditions. Uh, it's just the Jews. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying, however, to see the principles of God's care and blessing uh, in the generational transfer that happens in this sacred word that we have been given. And I wanna apply that to my life. I want you to apply it to your, your life. So three prohibitions in the law. Uh, let me say that differently. There are three directives in the law uh, that you can see that are established that will flower into a cultural inheritance, a way of being, a lifestyle uh, for observant Jews. Uh, the first is the prohibition against adultery and fornication. This is moral purity. Now, it is my experience that most of us see this in terms of thou shalt not because God doesn't like it, um, as though it in itself is a formula of transgression and it starts and ends with itself and God doesn't like it because God doesn't like it. Uh, I have, despite years of study, often seen it that way that moral transgression is about you. Um, I have been quite surprised recently to see how in the rabbinical tradition there is a different weighing. It's not that that isn't part of it, it absolutely is, but there's a different weighing that I hadn't seen. And that was how uh, there was a strong uh, duty, a strong obligation placed upon a man and a woman to the next generation. And adultery and fornication is the preference of my want over my children and offspring's need. I choose myself instead of them. Now, once you see it this way, you, you see it everywhere this way. I mean, um, when an individual, a man or a woman, has a, an adulterous affair, um, it's mainly the children who carry the weight of that. Um, that is not to say God cannot take broken people, broken situations, and bring a healing there. He can, but we uh, should understand the weight of actions and the consequences of uh, bad decision. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. 
what you sow, you shall also reap. Uh, in the rabbinical tradition, there's a more, there's a much stronger emphasis upon your duty to your children. Um, any offspring you would have because of that adultery or fornication uh, perhaps would receive less protection, perhaps would have fewer advantages, uh, perhaps would be in some way excluded from the gifts you have to give. Um, and so this is prohibitive. Once you see this as a care of children and a care of the next generation, it is quite astonishing to you. At least it was to me. Uh, the second thing is God's attitude toward children. Uh, there are cultures that haven't quite the same level of association with blessing that is within the Hebrew tradition. Uh, children are the blessing of the Lord. Some societies uh, have fallen into the habit of seeing them as a work hands, you know, as obligations, as another mouth to feed. Um, you've, if you've been associated with literature at all or history, you've come across all of those things um, where the viewpoint of a parent uh, served as a curse in the life of the child because they weren't, they, they, were, they were obligations. They were obligations or they were another set of hands to help on the farm or they were an accident. Uh, that's not how the Hebrew tradition views children. They are the blessing of the Lord. Um, this is this is important. And the third thing is God's attitude toward marriage, that it is a sacred uh, covenant. It is not simply practical. Many world religions sees re uh, marriage as a practical solution, um, a kind of uh, less, you help me, I help you. Uh, that's not how God views marriage. Now, these three biblical uh, foundations are going to flourish into culture. Um, and this will become part of God's blessing to the earth through the Hebrew people that was promised to, uh, to Abraham. These three things, you ought to, um, so the first one is a prohibition against immorality. You should not just pursue whatever is lustful to you at that moment, because if a child came out of that, they would have less care, less protection than if you had made a commitment to that person. Uh, secondly, uh, children are the blessing of God. Uh, they are not to be viewed as obligation. They are the blessing of God. And thirdly, um, a marriage is a sacred covenant. It is not simply accidental. It is a sacred covenant. So uh, these three foundations will grow into true, uh, a true culture of blessing uh, to, from one generation to another. And so uh, how do we, let's, let's, I'm going to try to end this uh, today because I have other subjects I want to talk about. Um, in our Bible studies. And uh, so how do we create a culture of blessing in our, in our families? Well, first, let's try to understand the needs, the questions, the fears that are in the life of a developing child. As they come into who they are, uh, there is a consistent set of questions. So let me start with the first three. Am I safe here? Am I wanted here? Do I belong here? Those are all related but different. Uh, am I safe here? Terrible tragedy. It's a curse to a child to be born into an unsafe environment. Some of you were born into unsafe environments. Uh, you were abused. You were taken advantage of. Uh, someone else worked out their lusts on you. Um, this is tragedy. The Lord needs to heal you of that and let you continue to become who you can be, not just as a survivor, but who you can be as an overcomer. 
so am I safe here? That's always number one. Number two, am I wanted here? Uh, children have an innate need to feel wanted and that whether it is the connection of a, a parent with a child, whether it's the way the child is loved and interacted with and talked to, whether it's the skin on skin reassurance, whatever it is, they need to feel wanted. It will directly correlate into the development of their personality, into their capability, into their intelligence. It is real. It's not just a preacher's opinion. It is scientifically proven. Am I safe here? Am I wanted here? Uh, number three, do I belong here? You don't, someone cannot like you, but admit you belong there. Someone can uh, try to hurt you, but admit you belong there. It's a very specific thing. Um, the reason why I put it third in these questions is because teenagers will often do incredibly dumb things. Um, you did probably, and I know I did. Um, so when you know you belong, your identity is not always up, up, up at risk. You may have been a good son or a bad son, but you're still a son. Do I belong here? This is the gift of place. And as children start becoming themselves, they're going to try an increasing array of things, good decisions, bad decisions. Uh, if they're a teenager, probably more bad than good. Um, they're going to try. They're going to experiment. They're trying to find out. Uh, they're, they're getting feedback. Um, you cannot banish them because of bad decisions. You cannot banish them. I know I've heard preachers talk about that very thing. Um, if that's how you feel, you might should find a church where uh, people's identity is stripped away from them when they don't have approval. Um, that's not First Church Charlotte. And as a pastor, let me just do you a favor and tell you, I'm gonna drive you nuts if that's what you need. If, you, if that's what you feel like is it's true Christianity is, you know, kick them out, disown them. Um, there are people who are not in our church today who um, they felt led by the Spirit to disown children because of sin in their life. And um, I tried to counsel them against it. And I know now that even if I don't kick them out, it's going to be a cultural mismatch. They're just not going to be, they're not going to fit. Um, I feel as a communicator, as a gospel preacher, um, I feel most like God when I'm giving grace. I feel, some people feel most like God when they're given law. Um, if we were in the Old Testament, uh, I would try to rightly divide the word and hopefully I would feel most like God by giving law. But in the New Testament, that is a misconception. The law was never the way. It was simply to defeat you. The law was to defeat you. Uh, and to show you, you needed mercy. That's the purpose of the law. Um, now, the law was not to perfect you, but it was to defeat you. Like Peter said at that first gathering, theological gathering of the church, uh, this law, they're talking about accepting Gentiles. He, and Peter says, look, this law crushed you, your fathers. It crushed all of us. We can't deny Jesus to these people. Um, some people don't feel like the law is crushing them. They feel like the law perfects them. And if they get everything right, then they, they're, they're essentially perfect. Uh, no. Um, to me, uh, my reading of the scripture, that's heresy. Um, you should not believe that. The law is to defeat you and turn you toward Jesus as the final author and finisher of your faith, the one who did what you could not do, the one who lived the righteous life you could not live. Um, and so uh, I want my children to know they belong. They may have good decisions, they may have bad decisions. They may have both on the same day. They're mine. 
they belong. I'm not stripping away their identity. Um, these three questions, am I safe, am I wanted, do I belong? These are all questions of love and identity. But questions keep coming as the child comes to a later adulthood. Number four, am I enough? Now, this is a, a later child question, am I enough? Um, they realize the world uh, has um, the ability to crush them. They realize that their friends at school can be incredibly cruel. Um, they realize they're not the prettiest girl at the dance. They're not the fastest boy on the team. I mean, hopefully you are, but for most of us, we weren't, not by a long shot. Um, do I still have value? You as a, ch a parent have to give them that word of divine favor. You are enough. You are intentional. God designed you. You're not an accident. Don't hate yourself because you would be cursing what God has blessed. Um, this is uh, questions of becoming uh, questions of potential. So number one, am I enough? Or conversely, are you disappointed by me? You see, as a teenager is often disappointed by themselves. They're often filled with self-loathing. They want to be stronger, faster, taller, prettier, thinner, more muscle. You see what I'm saying? You have to be that voice of God's favor in their life. Um, you are not, you are enough. We, God is not disappointed in you. I am not disappointed in you. I might be disappointed in your behavior. We'll talk more about that in just a moment, but I'm not disappointed in you. Number five, can I trust you to care about my dreams or must you force your dreams upon me? This is a child coming into himself. Will you become an advocate for my dreams, for my life, for my wishes, or must you replicate your dreams in me and dominate me so your dreams um, are my dreams. Um, some of this um, is unintentional, and sometimes Christian people are guilty of, um, in, in many ways, kind of closing doors of secular opportunity to children because we're afraid they might be faced with sin. Um, it is my belief this is usually a mistake. Um, there's no way your children is not going to be faced with sin. There's no way they're not going to be faced with, you know, Cigarettes, whiskey, and wow, wow, women. <laughs> There's no way it's not going to happen. It's going to happen. So why would you close opportunities to them to keep them close? Uh, I'm telling you, uh, I just don't believe that is, that is the way. So these are the questions. The first set of questions were questions of love and identity. Am I safe here? Am I wanted here? Do I belong here? Uh, the second set of questions are questions of becoming and potential. And that is, am I enough or are you disappointed by me? Uh, and next, can I trust you to care about my dreams, my potential, my abilities, my um, passions, or must you dominate me as a parent with your dreams for me, your passions for me, what you want for, for me? Uh, and finally, uh, the next set of questions are uh, questions of meaning and accomplishment. This is as the child moves into adulthood. You do not stop blessing your children just because they have children of their own just because they're married now. In fact, it may be in some ways more important than ever. Um, I'm not gonna take time on that right now. But the third set of questions is questions of meaning and accomplishment. Am I lovable? Did I go wrong somehow? Did my life as I have lived it basically produce an unlovable soul? Uh, that's number six. Number seven, am I still needed? You see, as we go into later life, um, you, you, your, your parents often are the ones who reassure you. It's not your kids because your kids are, they're just like you were, just like I was. They're, 
they're, uh, they want to they see everything, do everything, taste everything. And so they're ultimately tremendously self-centered. And you begin to feel like, well, do I even matter? I mean, you just want to take my money and disappear? Uh, kind of, yeah, but that's exactly what you did. And so that is the pay forward principle. I don't love my children because they're going to love me back as much as I love them. Um, they're probably at the wrong stage of life. <laughs> that sounds cold, but I, I'm trying to help, okay? I love them because my parents loved me. I didn't know how to love my parents back. And even at my stage of life, I am not at the stage they are. And so even now, their love is more consuming. And I'm in the thick of, you know, peak earning, peak accomplishment. You understand. Try to understand this. Try to view this kindly. Don't, don't just try to chop me. Even now, I think grandparents love in a special way that parents don't. It's stages of life. And the kids, they're self-focused on dreams, passions, goals, setbacks, girls, boys. You get the idea. <clears throat> And so this third set of questions are questions of meaning and accomplishment. Am I lovable? Have all my effort produced something lovable and honorable? Uh, am I still needed? So three types of questions, questions of love and identity, questions of becoming and potential, and questions of meaning and accomplishment. Those seven questions are, am I safe here? Am I wanted here? Do I belong? Child grows older. Am I enough? Can I trust you to care about my dreams, my potential, my value? You see? And then finally, number six, am I lovable? Number seven, am I needed? How do we create a culture of blessing? Number one, you need to intentionally pray over your children and loved ones and speak God's favor and God's mercy over them. You need to do it on a regular basis. Do it on Sundays. You're already given that day to the Lord. Do it on Sundays. Don't just pray for your food on Sundays. Speak favor and blessing over your children. Number two, pray that you would understand the biggest challenges in your child's life at the age they are at, and then strive to speak God's word to that challenge. Don't just lecture your children. Pray, God, help me understand the biggest fears in their life. And then you find the scripture and you begin to speak that word over them, not as a lecture, but as a promise. Uh, number three, uh, separate identity from behavior. I told you I'd come back to that. Separate identity from behavior. Don't ever believe your kid is bad because they do a bad thing, even into adulthood, even doing bad things as adulthood. Speak over them as a child of God. Wayward, yes. Prodigal, yes, but they're a child of God. Uh, number four, um, Pray that God would give you wisdom in releasing them into adulthood. One of the worst things you can do is to, 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 to dominate them as a need of self-reassurance. I see this very common in church people. They dominate their adult children because they have to be right. Um, their children may do what they want them to do, but it will always feel like duty. It'll never feel like worship. They had to do it. Um, you created a golden cage for me. And now I'm in this golden cage. And so my relationship to God always feels like duty, never worship. Um, that's a deep subject. Uh, I probably don't want to take more time than that on that. Pray for God's wisdom to release your children into adulthood and to be an advocate for them, keeping their divine identity in spite of the ups and downs of their life. And number five, Bless your parents to your children. This is spiritual continuity. 
Your children need to hear you say good things about your parents. You say, well, my parents weren't in the church, but they did a lot of things right. Don't decide whether your parents are saved or lost. How would you know? That's salvation's a God thing. It's not some accounting algorithm you can punch into a spreadsheet and say, oh, saved, lost, saved, lost, come on. Are you satisfied with a childish theology? It's a heart issue. It's not some spreadsheet. It's a heart issue. How would you know? That's the point of the thief on the cross. He doesn't even repent. God saves him. It's a heart issue. Um, So let's get out of the business of saying who's lost and who's saved. Oh, my parents died lost. Stop. How would you know? You aren't God. Quit faking it. (laughs) So speak good things to your kids about your parents. That's how they will see. There's a time when they become a, a speaker of blessing about you to their kids. All right, that's enough. Lord, I am praying that I... Uh, as a flawed man, uh, would be a blessing in the lives of my children. Um, I, I can see how my bad habits could be an influence to them and is an influence to them. I could see how every time I'm tired and I'm short-tempered, it could be a, a formative thing to them. But I'm praying not simply to give them that. I'm praying you would help me give them blessing. Help me speak favor over them. Help me quote your promise upon their lives. Everyone watching this, help them do that, Lord. We all humble ourselves before you. None of us have some system. There's no uh, formulaic plan to raise perfect children. That would require a perfect child and a perfect parent. And there's only one perfect parent. (laughs) And there was only one perfect child. So help us, God. Let your grace flow through us. Let mercy be on our lips. Let us speak blessing over our children. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you all. We love you. Sunday's coming. It's going to be a great weekend. Um, If you aren't, um, if you don't have a place to worship, let us host you at First Church. Uh, God bless you. See you Sunday. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.